Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. All righties, welcome to Market View. It's Market Wrap of the Week with me, Hong Bin Jung, on the afternoon update. Now, before we get into how the STI performed in the past week and who were the biggest winners, let's take a look at how the STI is faring at the moment. It did open in the green and it's well up in the green at the moment. It's up 0.8%. Percent at 3,139 points. We have advancers leading the pack at 262 with decliners at 205 after 632 million securities worth 326 million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. Now joining me on Market View is of course the one and only Jeff Howey, market strategist at the SGX. Hi Jeff, it's been a Hi. while. Yeah, thank you. Good afternoon, Hongbin. Good afternoon. Okay, Jeff, it looks like the STI open in the green today. How did the STI perform this week? Yeah, it's, so it's sub 3140 at the moment, which mm-hmm. means it's up around half a percent to 1% since last Friday. It really has spent much of its time trading between 3090 and 3140. So that really makes it a 50 point range for the week, which is pretty typical for this time of the year. Mm. You know, well, while regional markets saw a so-called Santa rally, especially earlier in the week, it did dip yesterday, but it seemed like STI kind of sat out. What are the possibilities for a Santa Claus rally for the STI at this point? Is it already in one? Look, no. I mean, it's more range trading at the moment. Mm. This really depends on multi-factors. You really want to hone in on this question. If you look this year, institutions have been investing in Asia-developed markets that will that invest in Asia-developed markets have been more drawn to Japan and mm-hmm. to a less extent Australia this year. And while Asia-emerging market funds have been more drawn to India than ASEAN. So institutional appetite is one mm-hmm. uh, factor. That quietness, as of today, the STI has really spent probably about 70%, 70% of this quarter, mm-hmm. range trading between 30.50 and 31.50. And that's not a very wide range, 100 points thereabouts. So we are actually going into 2024 with a comparatively quiet year flat performance. So we saw that in our economy overall, and that has extended into the stock market. We have seen some stocks like Keppel and Semcorp Industries see significant deviations from the STI's flat line this year. I think both those stocks generated total returns more than 50%. But for the broader market, we're looking to less tight financial conditions. We also saw MAS survey of professional forecasters revise expectations higher for Singapore corporate profitability next year, Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to residential home prices as well. So that's pretty much setting a queue for the investors, but it's up to the investors whether they want to take that. I think expectations for higher corporate profitability between September and December Mm. increased as much as 24 percentage points to 57%, while expectations for stable corporate profitability more than halved and expectations for lower corporate profitability next year declined to around 4 percentage points to 29%. So Mm. that's where we're headed. That's Mm -hmm. the current state of mind of the investors and the economists and so forth. It just remains to be seen whether it's inciting enough for the institutional investors. Mm, I see, I see. Now, focusing back on the STI and its performance this past week, who were the biggest movers on the STI? In the STI, you've got S-Venture up, Mm. I think it was 
3.6% over the first four sessions of the week and has added another three-tenths of a percent this morning. So that's up close to 4%. Citrium as well. Citrium added 5.6% over the first four sessions mm-hmm. and then gave back nine-tenths of a percent today. But on the other side, City Developments was down 5.2% for the first four sessions, down another two-tenths of a percent today. While Cap Land was down 3% for the first four sessions, but is back up 1% today to $2.97. I see. I mean, we're also seeing some heavy trading among Singapore-listed glove manufacturers and medical suppliers on the back of this, you know, new COVID-19 wave. How have some healthcare-related stocks on the SGX, you know, fared this past week? Yeah, it's interesting, right? So for the first four sessions, they performed or outperformed the overall market last week. And then for the first four sessions of this week, we had UG Healthcare up close to 10%, Riverstone Holdings up close to 6%, Medtex International is up 5%, Top Glove was up close to 4%, and then Shatran Gloves Thailand was also up. So they are impacted, but they do tend to move pretty quickly and be quite sensitive to mm. developments in, as we've seen over the last four years, in subvariants. But then, as you see, you look at how transmissible the subvariant is, how severe it is, and vaccine efficacy, how that impacts it. So take those three considerations into your investment. I get we trade more these stocks are moving more on a beat for traders. Traders would be looking at those that type of information to make their assessments on a day to day basis. I mean, some market watchers on that note say that this recent surge in healthcare related stocks will be short lived. Do you view the same view? Yeah, we should get the numbers of those market watchers because, <laughs> as I said, those were the prices for the first four sessions. Yeah. And then today you've got MedTech down 11%, mm-hmm. Riverstone down 3%, Top Club <laughs> down 2%, UG Healthcare down 6%. So uh, that's how these stocks can move. Like they can move very quickly. You have to keep in mind that many of them have had significant gains and significant repricing right. over the last five years to the point I think MedTech's International Corporation has seen its share price increase by or total return up around 680%. That's something you just have to kind of take into consideration that you know they can move a lot there's been that return but there's also been quite a lot of risk associated with them as well Mm, i see well on the note of stocks the flow Mm. of delistings from the singapore exchange that appears to have you know staunch somewhat we had 25 companies delisted in the year december 13th which is 11 fewer than last year what's led to this yeah i think overall less corporate activity mm-hmm. in terms of the big structural corporate activity like fundraising, buybacks, mergers, acquisitions has been apparent this year and for good reason. It's been a pretty economically anemic year for us mm. and for the region. But I guess for the deal listings that we did have and I guess for 2022 in particular, the reasons for them really, it usually comes down to you know, simple cost-benefit analysis for shareholders. If we look at the two of the bigger ones this year, Golden Energy Resources, its delisting coincided with the group repositioning itself, repositioning itself away from the energy coal industry, which has obviously been facing ESG pressures, and that would allow it to expand on its financing options, which 
otherwise could have been a little bit more limited if it were to be continuously exposed to energy coal business. So if the company noted that if it did maintain its listing status, it would be incurring compliance associated costs related to listing requirements um, and hence that was the rationale that mm-hmm. it filed when it did delist. And for Challenger, it noted it had seen low trading volume for some time. Mm-hmm. It, it had cited that as the rationale for its delisting. And it did believe that privatising the company would provide more flexibility in managing its business, being able to better optimise its use of management, capital resources, etc. So there's always reasons. Capital management and at the end of the day, cost-benefit question are typically what leads to them. I wouldn't say there's necessarily any economic kind of forces that stand out this year other than it has, of course, been quite a challenging year for market practitioners, as is evident for a lot of the corporate outlooks. Okay. Well, you know, could we then expect SGX listings to slow further in 2024? Could we also expect more listings to come through? Yeah, I guess the question is, if you assume a supportive economic environment, mm-hmm. I mean, just as your stock market is expected to move, you can expect companies to continue distributing dividends, making placements and rights issues when they need secondary fundraising, continue to look at making corporate acquisitions, disposals when needed, also new listings and delistings as well, and perhaps even some mergers. So Mm. yeah, when you have economic momentum, when markets are on the move, you can expect such significant corporate actions like that. I think one of the first significant transactions or acquisitions for next year that's really stood out is going to be Keppel's strategic acquisition of Airmont Capital. That's the leading European real estate manager. I think it's a top European real estate firm by funds raised in the last five years that they noted. And Airmont will be Keppel's European real estate platform. The consideration for that initial 50% stake is something like close to 520 million Singapore dollars. And it's intended to be funded through a combination of cash and treasury shares that Keppel acquired in its share buyback platform. You might recall back in 2022, Keppel Corp conducted something like $500 million dollars mm. in share buyback. So here you can see how this is playing out. And that initial 50% stake should be completed by the end of the first half of next year, subject to obviously important improvals. So this is one for a start that does very much stand out because this is quite a large, significant transaction that will bolster Keppel's funds under management as well as recurring income. So these are the things that we look for, these exciting mm-hmm. kind of corporate developments that can be of interest to shareholders. Yeah, it looks like we have a lot to look out for in the new year. But staying in Singapore, uh, Jeff, we saw some economic news to kickstart the week where Singapore's exports returned to growth for the first time in more than a year. Is that a good sign or is it hardly a sign of recovery in external demand? Yeah, it's a good sign. Potentially a green shoot, more than a solid turnaround and I'll explain why. The Nautics gained 1% year-on-year in November. That represented, as you said, the first year-on-year expansion in more than a year since September 2022. Similarly, though, Taiwan November exports, they are up close to 4% year-on-year in November. Mm -hmm. South Korea exports were also up close to 8% year-on-year in November. And Singapore's consecutive Nordex contraction, so it spanned 13 months, and then Taiwan and South Korea moved in tandem, and they saw export contractions span 12 months. However, what we've actually seen in Taiwan is the last three months, the most recent three monthly export prints have really oscillated 
from first up 4% to down 4% and back up to 4% rather than mount a significant consecutive recovery per Mm -hmm. se. So interesting in Singapore, the US did overtake China as Singapore's largest Nordex destination in the month of November and electronics Nordex also declined so like 13% year on year in November. So that means that overall Nordex in Singapore is on track for a 12% decline this year. Mm -hmm. But we are looking ahead to, I guess, an expansionary partial recovery of Nordex next year. It would be supported by first, the base effect, second, eventuality of less tight financial conditions in addition to the World Trade Organization making this forecast that overall global merchandise trade volume growth will accelerate to above 3% next year from below 1% this year. Mm, okay, okay. On that note of Singapore's economy, though, it looks like several economists, they believe consumer spending growth may slow in 2024 as inflationary pressures prompt belt tightening. What would that mean for our economy? Is that a cause for concern? Yeah, it's a really important aspect of the economy. It's one that touches on a number of key economic areas. Mm -hmm. If you look across the, I guess, the staples, Sheng Siong, they do maintain that the GST hike, carbon tax increase to be implemented next year will continue to put an upward pressure Mm -hmm. on consumer prices. And that might induce consumers to opt for more budget-friendly alternatives where possible. Same in transportation, right? You use Grab Share rather than Grab. But at you the know same time, so to- well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but at, at the same time, you've also to further support consumers. Obviously, the Singapore government mm-hmm. has been quite proactive. It's delivered a new cost of living support package mm-hmm. in addition to that existing assurance package. That continues to support consumer spending. And in, in the likes of Sheng Siong, they maintain that mm-hmm. it does give supermarket retailers a steady boost as well. I see. Then what's your overall outlook for Singapore's economy in 2024 and how will that impact markets in the year ahead? Well, it's definitely a brighter outlook next okay. year. Um, the SDI is very flat this year, as mm-hmm. was the Singapore economy, growing at less than 1%. And the broader ASEAN benchmarks are very flat as well. But next year, Singapore's GDP growth rate is expected to double up to above 2%. And as I said before, those less tight financial conditions have also seen the professional forecasters in the MAS survey revise expectations higher for mm-hmm. Singapore corporate profitability. Trade's really important too, as I said, with global trade growing or tripling up next year. Mm-hmm. And when you consider our total trade in Singapore exports plus imports is three times larger than the global average, four times larger than the Asia average. And as MTI, I guess, noted that the 2024 growth prospects of the manufacturing and trade-related sectors in Singapore Mm. are expected to improve in tandem with the turnaround in global electronics demand. And electronics, they comprise around one-fifth of Nodex. They comprise around 45% of our industrial production, of which semiconductors is 38 percentage points. So at the moment, you've got the Global Semiconductor Associations maintaining this 2024 rebound in global semiconductor cycle could continue through to 2026, which is going to be important to see if this uh, turnaround is sustained. Mm-hmm. What are they talking about? Wafer shipments, setting new highs, silicon demand increasing to support AI, high-performance computing, 5G, automotive, and industrial applications. So. That's kind of it in a nutshell. I see. Well, before we let you go here, Jeff, next week, it's a short week, but it's also the final week of 2023. What should we look out for? Yeah, before then, 
Tonight, we have PCE core deflator. Right. That's really super important. That's expected to continue its flight path down to 2%. It's mm-hmm. expected to print a 3.3% year-on-year increase, but it mm-hmm. is tonight. That'll follow the 3.5% print that we saw in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means November's poised to be the lowest PCE core deflator since mm-hmm. April 2021. And, of course, with recent declines in energy prices, although we have had a little bit of a tick-up recently, this does overall bode well for those less tight financial conditions in the U.S. I think last time we were speaking together, Hongbin, we were mm. talking about 75 bips to 100 bips right. of rate cuts next year by the Fed funds rate. We're looking at 150 bips in cuts now. Mm, so wow. that's going to be really important. But mm. Tuesday, back to business, got industrial production and CPI in Singapore. Mm, okay. Is that all? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be an easy week next week. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time and your insights today. It's a pleasure as always. Thanks so much, Hongbin. Thank you. Happy holidays. You too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, who's a market strategist at the SGX. I'm Hongbin Jung, and this has been Market View with your Market Wrap of the Week. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.